This is a Federal News Network podcast. The unsafe at any speed moment might have come for cybersecurity. For those of you who don't remember, the 1965 book by Ralph Nader forced Congress and the executive branch to take action, some say too much action, to ensure standard safety measures for cars. Now comes the Cybersecurity Solarium Commission's report. It reads like a new version of unsafe at any network speed. In this week's Reporter's Notebook, executive editor Jason Miller writes about why the commission's suggestion to create a Bureau of Cyber Statistics could finally be the catalyst to make more than CIOs and security experts understand why continued investment in cybersecurity is an imperative. Jason, what would this Bureau of Cyber Statistics look like? What would it do? Well, the Cyberspace Solarium report really looked at a couple things, and, and one of the big parts of it was it says Congress should establish a Bureau of Cyber Statistics charged with collecting and providing statistical data on cybersecurity and the cyber ecosystem to inform policymaking and government programs. Seems pretty straightforward, but really, it's really bringing together a third-party trusted data source to really, in, so anybody, whether it's me or you, Tom, as citizens or our company or a federal agency can then use that data to make good decisions. And this is not necessarily a new idea. It's one that's kind of bounced around a little bit. And I caught up with Congressman Jim Langevin, who's the driving force behind this idea of a Bureau of Cyber Statistics. And he offered a little more details about how kind of this came to be during the commission's uh, discussions. What would always been gnawing at me is if we do what we think is adopting cybersecurity best practices and, and the latest technology, or even adopting the NIST framework, just by way of example, how do we know that we're going to be that much more cyber secure? And the reality is we really would be better served to have hard data to make informed policy decision or for CEOs and uh, DFOs and CISOs when they're making their, their recommendations, making their decisions about what, what type of cybersecurity technologies to purchase and deploy, that we had hard data to back up what will make them that much more cyber secure. That was Congressman Jim Langevin talking a lot about how the idea of a Bureau of Cyber Statistics emerged during the Cyberspace Solarium discussions. This sounds a lot like the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Is that kind of the model for this? That is a big model, but I'd also point to the National Safety Transportation Board. And if you go back to Ralph Nader in our beginnings time here, what Congress did was created this idea of we need to collect third-party trusted data so you can make decisions about cars, right? You know, before, do, do you know seatbelts, do airbags, how does that all play into car safety? Well, again, going back to Congressman Jim Langevin and his comments, he was really said that, that that was a key piece to their discussions as well. It's like the, the argument of why did we finally start adding seatbelts in cars, right? Well, they finally had hard data to show that in, in accidents where the, the, the the driver, the passenger was wearing a seatbelt, uh, lives were saved, injuries were reduced. And so it just became self-evident at that point. We wanted to have that same level of visibility, transparency, and, and the cybersecurity uh, tools throughout the year and what will uh, keep us safe and which ones are less effective. You know, right now, I think a lot of people act on, on gut or it might be a sales pitch of why you should adopt a new cybersecurity protection or tool. But there's a big question sometimes as to, well, how do you know? 
that was Congressman Jim Langevin talking about how you need better data to make decisions. And that's what the Bureau of Labor Statistics does in many cases is give economic data. Well, this would give cybersecurity data, again, to not just to the CIOs and chief information security officers, Tom, but really to the broader community of CFOs, CEOs, COOs, all the people who kind of question why, what am I getting for this? Because, Tom, as you know, there's a question, okay, if I don't invest in this, what will happen to me? Or because I invested it, what, what did it stop? And those questions are really difficult to answer. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Now, Congress and the administration have read this report. This is a major one, the solarium. What's the likelihood of something happening on it, some action? There's, I think, a lot of good information, a lot of the good recommendations. I mean, 75, Tom, that came out from the Cyberspace Solarium Commission is a lot. But I think there's some ones in the short term, there's some in the long term that that the Congress and the agencies can get behind. I think the administration is very much looking at this report and saying, okay, what can we do on our own? What do we need Congress's help? And I think this Bureau of Cyber Statistics is one of those things that really does need Congress's backing of. They need to fund it. They need to make sure there's people there. They need to be able to collect the data. There's even some information sharing needs. So, okay, well, if I'm company X and I give government my data, what's the liability? What's the indemnity that I'm going to get from giving you my data? How do you anonymize that data? So if you're going to share it more broadly, that they can't trace it back to, I had this vulnerability, how will it hurt my stock price, for instance? So I think there's a big role for Congress to play. And and, and Congressman Langevin said, you know, once we get through this COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic, once we can start having some hearings, he thinks that they're going to be, Congress is going to be very active on the report to try to get a lot of these recommendations in place sooner than later. Uh, the biggest one of them all, beyond the cyber statistics one, Tom, you, you won't be surprised to hear this, consolidate congressional oversight of, of cybersecurity. Everybody suggests that one from time to time. It feels like it's been a, more than a 20 years that we've been talking about that. Yes. Well, since they started Homeland Security, basically. And looking at this proposal for this bureau, this data bureau, doesn't CISA within Homeland Security seem like the logical place to put it? That's one of the questions I did ask Congressman Langevin, and he said, you know, he's not really tied to it have being put in the Department of Commerce. It can go in DHS, and even the commission's report said uh, Commerce Department or another agency. So I think they're saying, you know, we can look at this broadly. We can ask the agencies. We can have a bigger discussion with the administration and decide maybe where the best fit is. But, yeah, I mean, right now a lot of what the Homeland Security Department does and the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency does is that information sharing piece. But what they also do is they provide actionable steps that organizations, companies can take. And and I think the concern may be, well, if you're also collecting the data and providing the actions, could you be biased? I'm not saying they would be. I'm just saying maybe that's a concern that can come up. Tom, the other key piece here is insurance companies. A lot of companies are buying cybersecurity insurance. There's a report out back in 2017 that said they believe a research firm found that the insurance market will grow from about $4 billion in 2017 to more than $23 billion by 2025 just on cyber insurance alone. So you need this better data, this better metrics to make better decisions around policies and risks. And that can mostly only come from the government because in, we're not going to pick on Verizon, but the Verizon breach report is not the same as the, as the Symantec breach report, which is not the same as the CenturyLink breach report, which is not the same as the Accenture breach report. But if the government collects all that data and then puts it out there to say, if you take these steps, your risk will be reduced, that's a more authoritative piece of, of information. And briefly, Jason, you're writing about new guidance from the Office of Management and Budget. 
to try to straighten out the variations in how agencies are interpreting Section 3610 of the CARES Act, that is, getting vendors paid on time during the pandemic, even if they can't get to work. 3610, if you're keeping score at home, of the CARES Act, very important provision for a lot of vendors because what the goal of Congress was, let's keep you in a state of ready. Let's make sure you are able to to perform if we need you, when we need you, and not have to worry about you laying people off or furloughing people. And what's going on here is you have the Defense Department and the Office of Director of National Intelligence, which we talked about last week, Tom, already put out guidance. And a lot of vendors are saying, whoa, we need government-wide guidance. We need a consistent approach. And that's where the OMB came in, the Office of Federal Procurement Policy, did release guidance late on Friday. But for a lot of vendors, they were a little disappointed. They were glad the guidance was out. It had some good pieces to it. But there are still some inconsistencies. And I'll just point out one real quick, Tom. For instance, DOD and ODNI say we will start paying vendors for any lost time starting January 31st. That's when the national emergency was really put out there by the president. OMB's memo, however, says you, you can reimburse contractors starting for any lost time on March 27th. Okay, well, that's a two and a half month almost difference there. Sure. Who's right? Who's wrong? And that's that's a and that's a lot of money. It's two months, potentially a month and a half worth of money that could be lost if the interpretation of that guidance. And Tom, we know we've been in this business long enough. Nobody interprets the guidance the same sometimes. And that's a big frustration level, not just for vendors, but for agencies too. Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Thanks so much. My pleasure, Tom. Check out his notebook now online at federalnewsnetwork.com. And later in this hour, we hear from David Berteau of the Professional Services Council on their reaction to that memo that came out Friday. Stay up to date on your agency's latest responses to coronavirus. Visit our special resource page at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, Always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. A financial plan isn't just about money. It's about what matters most to you, like protecting your family, supporting your community, and building a legacy for future generations. At Northwestern Mutual, we start with a conversation about the life you want to live now and years from now. Whether you're paying down debt, saving for college, or planning for retirement, we have an eye on your bigger picture. Get access to our financial expertise at harlem.nm.com. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.